Now, what would you do if you had a chance to meet the Queen of England? What would you say to her? How would you act? How would you respond in that moment? Well, I learned a few rules of etiquette for meeting royalty, and I'd like to share with you what I've learned in case you have that opportunity. First, it's customary to bring her a gift. Shouldn't show up empty-handed. Now, she probably has everything in the world, so flowers would probably be a good call. Then, when you're introduced, you must curtsy or bow. You refer to her first as your majesty and then as ma'am throughout the rest of the conversation. Of course, she is the one who's supposed to initiate the conversation. It's considered rude to speak to royalty without first being spoken to. Don't ever turn your back on her. If you're eating with her, don't finish your meal before her. If you are sitting at the dinner table with the queen, it's customary that the guest of honor sits on her right. Now, this is the person she talks to during the first course of the meal. Etiquette dictates that she then turns the person on her left during the second course. Now, it's reported that someone eating with her didn't know about this, sitting on her left, tried to talk to her early in the meal, and she said, no, no. I'm going to talk this way. You talk over there. And I'll come back to you when I'm done. So that's it. Now you're ready. You are ready to meet the queen. Now how you have that opportunity to meet her is a separate mystery. And truthfully, I'll never remember all these things if I get to meet the queen. Truthfully, I don't think I ever will meet her. And if, like me, you never get to meet the queen of England, don't fret. We will all stand in the presence of royalty because one day we will all stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that's Jesus Christ. For those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, that will be a moment of great joy because He is our King. And this morning I'm excited. We're going to take a look at the stories of a few individuals who were blessed to meet the King. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them out and turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 1 this morning. We're going to start in verse 35. John chapter 1, verse 35. And as we see these individuals blessed to meet the king, my prayer is that we will learn from their stories, that they will impact how we are living out our faith. John chapter 1, verse 35. It says this, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Now, this was John the Baptist. Verse 36. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. All right, let's pause right here. Now, if you were with us last week, you know that John the Baptist is doing what he's done before. He is testifying that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And after he said that on this day, two of John's disciples leave him. And they go follow Jesus. And we don't need to feel bad for John the Baptist that this happened. This is what his whole ministry had been about. Preparing the hearts of people to follow the Savior. And in this moment, two of his own disciples do just that. But what's interesting is... It's possible that these same two men had been with John the Baptist when he had said these same words earlier about Jesus. But they didn't follow Jesus the first time John the Baptist said this. 
And if it is the case that they were present before, it serves as a good reminder for us that many people hear the truth about Jesus before they start following him. And we need to remember that because sometimes we're discouraged when people don't respond immediately to the gospel. We want people to be saved. But if they don't respond immediately, we shouldn't give up on them. In fact, an evangelist once estimated that most unbelievers hear the gospel on average more than seven times before they accept it. Now regardless of the reason for any possible hesitation in these two men earlier, they now start following Jesus. Let's pick up in verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. Now let's imagine that you see the Queen of England walking around town. And somebody points at her and says, look, it's the Queen of England. Now if you were to then quietly sneak up behind her and start following her, I imagine that this wouldn't go well for you. I don't know how many bodyguards she has, but if you did this, you'd find out pretty quick. And here, we can be thankful that wasn't the case. You know, these two men may not have thought of it in quite these terms as they start following after Jesus, but they are walking in the shadow of the king of the universe. And let's understand what we mean when we say that Jesus is the king of kings. It's something I said earlier. He is the king of kings. You see, God allows people to have a level of authority on this earth. But that authority, it's always limited. It's always temporary. It's always a stewardship of what they do not own. It's not theirs. And that always comes to an end at some point. But Jesus has the ultimate authority and power. His reign will never end. All things are His because all things were created by Him. And so He is the King of all kings. And in this moment, He turns around and He asks these two men what it is that they want. I like how the NASB translation puts it, that Jesus asked, what are you seeking? Part of me has always wondered if where are you staying, is the question that they really wanted to ask. Or if they were nervous and these are just the words that fell out of their mouths. But Jesus' response is just so, so beautiful. Because He doesn't just answer them, He invites them to come with Him. And these are easy verses to overlook. You see, these men, they didn't have an they didn't bow with their faces to the ground. They probably broke every rule of royal etiquette in their day. And again, they probably weren't thinking about Jesus' status as a king, but John the Baptist had made it clear that Jesus is the Messiah. And now the Messiah invites them to come with him. This is an incredible moment. As one pastor said about this moment, he said, Jesus opens the doors to them in an instant, just as if he had been waiting for them. Kings and great men of the earth hedge themselves about with ceremony and servants so that it's difficult to reach them and to get to talk with them. One must make special arrangements in advance in order to secure an audience at all. 
But nothing is easier than to get an audience from the King of Kings at once. The first thing I want us to take away from their story this morning is that when these men met the king, they spent time with him. They spent time with him. And I wish we could know what that day was like. I wish we could hear the questions that they asked. It must have been an incredible conversation. Because as we'll see in a minute, they went from seeing Jesus as a respected rabbi to seeing him as a long-awaited Messiah they quickly found that Jesus was more than willing to throw open the doors and invite them in. He welcomed them in their questions. He welcomed them to follow Him. And in the same way, Jesus welcomes people to follow Him today. And some of us have made that decision. We've already begun to follow Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the King. But believers, when was the last time we spent the day with Him? When was the last time that we really invested time in worshiping the Lord, reading Scripture, going to Him in prayer, bringing Him our questions? Sometimes I think as believers, we're afraid that we're going to bother Jesus or that we're going to waste His time. And we forget that His invitation is always available to us to spend time with Him. And we know that because we put our faith in Him, we're going to be with Him for all eternity, but we don't have to wait until eternity to get to know Him. Just like that first moment of faith for each of us when Jesus threw open the doors and He welcomed us into His loving arms, brought us into His family, He is still inviting us to spend time with Him. It is incredible how the King of all creation is available to His creation. Let's see what these two men did next. Look at verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So, two disciples of John the Baptist followed Jesus. One of those disciples was Andrew. The one who is not named here was John. John who wrote the Gospel we're reading. And Andrew and John, they start following the King. And the first thing that Andrew does after spending time with the Lord is to go and find his brother to bring him to Jesus. See, the next thing that we see in their story is that the right response after we meet the King is to bring others to him. That's the right response. So for those of us who have been blessed to follow Jesus, is this how we've responded? How have we been doing reaching someone for Jesus, bringing others to Him? Andrew went right away to bring his brother to Jesus. We should be so full of joy in following the King that we would want to do this. It should be the natural inclination of our hearts. Yet, How many of us put off this important task? How many of us, after being challenged to reach someone with the gospel, have already had that thought creep in? Well, there's always next week or next month. Still a lot of the year left. December's far away. I'll find time eventually. You know, Andrew didn't say to himself, at the next family reunion, maybe I'll 
maybe there will be a moment. Maybe I'll find a time. It'll just be the right time that I could tell Peter about Jesus. He didn't say that. He went right away because Andrew had his priorities straight. He knew that this was important. And he wasn't the only one to do it. Look at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Philip... Philip also wanted to bring others to Jesus, so he goes and finds Nathanael. And Nathanael, he's a skeptic at first. I mean, what good can come from Nazareth? The Messiah? Coming from a poor, dirty, nothing town like that? Get out of here. We all know towns like this. Towns nobody really knows, nobody really cares about. Casey and I, we both grew up in small towns in Maryland. The type of towns that if you drove 30 minutes away and said the name of the town to other people that lived in Maryland, they had no idea where you were talking about. They're just towns. We all know towns like that. You see, Nazareth, Nazareth was really nothing to brag about. But despite Nathaniel's skepticism, Philip was determined to bring him to Jesus. And I like that. I like how Philip, he wasn't easily discouraged. When Nathaniel said some sarcastic comments, Philip didn't clam up and say, oh, look, I'm sorry, forget that I said anything. Just, let's just not talk about it anymore. No, he was, he was a persistent witness. He wasn't pushy about it. He just lovingly tried again. He's an example to us that we shouldn't give up on bringing people to Jesus even when their first response is skepticism or doubt. We should keep those individuals in prayer, keep looking for opportunities to introduce them to Jesus. You see, like Andrew, when Philip met the king, he wanted others to be able to do the same. Now let's see what we can learn from Nathaniel's story. Verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And when Jesus talks about Nathanael's character, Nathanael responds with, I don't know you. How could you know anything about me? And that's when Jesus tells Nathanael that he saw him when he was still under the fig tree. Jesus knew where Nathanael was because Jesus is all-knowing. Nathanael realized that that meant Jesus also knew his heart. Then Nathanael quickly realized that meant that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Son of God, the King that Israel had been waiting for. 
And by openly acknowledging these things, Nathanael is also recognizing the authority of Jesus. You see, believers, when we meet the king and we begin to follow him, we should desire to spend time with him. As we do, as we get to know him, we want to bring others to him. We want to bring our lost family and friends and acquaintances and strangers because we'll want them to get to know Jesus, but we'll also begin to recognize Jesus' authority in our lives. See, it's good that we know and believe that Jesus is the King of Kings. But the question is, are we allowing him to be the King of our lives? When we are following the King, when we recognize and submit to his authority in our lives, we're going to be blessed to see him do great things in our lives. See, Nathaniel didn't just witness the powerful and complete knowledge of Jesus who saw him even as he sat under the fig tree. No, but Jesus said Nathaniel would witness even greater things than this. In the book of Genesis, beginning of your Bibles, in chapter 28, a man named Jacob, whose name God later changed to Israel, Jacob had a vision. In that vision, he saw a ladder between heaven and earth. And on that ladder, there were angels ascending and descending it. This experience of Jacob was well known to his descendants, including Nathanael. Jesus said that Nathanael would see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, that is, Jesus Christ. Now, whether or not Nathanael fully comprehended what Jesus was saying in this moment, he would later. That the reason that Jesus was there God's Son in the flesh, the Messiah, the King of all creation, was so that people could have access to God. In Jesus Christ, the vision of Jacob was now a far greater reality. Heaven and earth had met, and through Jesus, people could access God as never before. Heaven is available, and the King is the connection that made that possible. Believers, that's something to rejoice over. That's something to share with people. What a joy it is to follow the King. And if we can say that we are His followers, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, the question is, are we living that way? Is He the authority in how we act and speak and live? His rule should be evident in our lives. Do we seek out opportunities to spend time with Him? His door is always open to us. And are we bringing others to Him? That should be our eager desire. In Him, heaven and earth met. People have access to God because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and His resurrection from the dead. Are we sharing that with people? Believers, the truth I am praying we will walk away with today from the stories of these early believers is this. Once we meet the King, our priorities should change. Once we meet the King, our priorities should change. See, if we've met Jesus and we can say that he is in fact the king of our lives, then we need to dedicate our lives to spending time with him, to submitting to him in all areas of our lives, and to sharing the truth about him with others so that they can come and be a part of his kingdom too. Believers, it's a wonderful thing to follow the Savior, to follow the King of Kings. We need to pray we'd have the opportunity to introduce people to him so they could do the same. If you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, let me explain for just a minute 
what we mean that through Jesus, people now have access to God unlike ever before. You see, the Bible says that the problem is that you and I have sinned. We've broken God's laws, His commands. It's what we do when we lie and cheat and steal and lust and take God's name in vain. And the Bible says that's a problem because when we stand before a just and holy God, He must punish sin. And the just punishment for sin is that we'll be separated forever from Him in a place of torment called hell. But in His great love for us, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus took on flesh, a human body, lived a perfect life, which me and you can't do. And at the end of that life, Jesus willingly died on the cross to take our place, to be our substitute. When he hung on the cross, he took all of the punishment, all of the wrath that we deserve for sin. And he was buried. But three days later, he powerfully rose from the dead. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Savior. And right now, Jesus is in heaven waiting to offer you the forgiveness of your sins, a right relationship with God, and eternal life. And if you have never made that decision to follow the King, please understand that His is an open invitation to you. And the Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I pray that you'll make that decision today. Would you pray with me? Friend, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, please understand that no matter what you've done, where you've been, He wants to forgive you of your sins. He paid the price, and no amount of good works you can do can make up for your sin and get you to God. But the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I would encourage you, no matter where you are right now, to make that decision, to give your life over to Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone joining us here on campus, online, on the radio, and they have never made that decision, that they would make that decision today to start following the King of Kings, the King of all creation, the one who came to rescue their soul. Father, for those of us who have made that decision, I pray that you would stir up in our hearts a desire to spend time with you constantly. As we do, as we grow to know you more and more, as we grow to know you as your people, creating us a desire to share you with others, to live in a way that would please you. I pray that you would help each of us this week to have the opportunity to reach someone, to introduce them to Jesus, the King of Kings. Father, we love you. But you proved 2,000 years ago when you sent your Son to this earth that you love us so much more. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.